Crisis Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, more trouble for WeWork and a push to stop police from using ring doorbells. But first, the rocket's red glare. Even if you're not an NBA fan, you probably by now know about Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, who on Friday tweeted out support for the protesters in Hong Kong. It was literally the tweet heard round the world as China went ballistic, blacking out preseason games and issuing a public condemnation. And remember, the Houston Rockets aren't just any NBA team. They're the NBA team most responsible for the league's popularity in China because they had Yao Ming. Yao Ming now runs the China Basketball Association, which in response to Maury's tweet, suspended ties with the Rockets. So Maury quickly pulled down the tweet, didn't apologize, but pulled it down and was then kind of rebuked by the team's owner and even its star player. The NBA called it, quote, regrettable, causing its own backlash stateside before last night reaffirming the right to freedom of expression among team players, executives and coaches. And just to make it all a little bit more complicated, there was also a lengthy statement from Joe Tsai the Alibaba founder who just bought the Brooklyn Nets with hopes of leveraging the Chinese market. He argued in favor of China's response, explaining sensitivities around what he called separatists, albeit without addressing the actual democracy concerns of the Hong Kong protesters. All of this is, in short, a disaster for the NBA and a massive test for Commissioner Adam Silver. There are billions of dollars at stake and also at stake American Pro Sports League that, more than any other, has encouraged its people to speak up on social and political issues important to them. The NBA always knew its strategy could turn away some fans, but it probably never contemplated losing 500 million of them. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. But first, this. This episode is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Know everything about coding, but not so much about banking? For more than 35 years, Silicon Valley Bank has been helping high-growth companies navigate through each stage of the startup journey. Stay tuned to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. We're joined now by Chris Mannix, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. You wrote the other day that this is the single biggest challenge of Adam Silver's tenure as NBA commissioner. Why? Well, I mean, he's had some significant issues to deal with, beginning with Donald Sterling, continuing with more NBA-centric issues like tampering. But this is the kind of geopolitical scandal that he could never have really envisioned. Something that was kicked off by a tweet. And now he has to navigate some pretty murky waters. He, He wants to and has continued to support players, coaches, executives for exercising their freedom of speech. But this is the first time that freedom of speech has potentially had what could be a catastrophic impact on the NBA's bottom line. I mean, the league generates hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue from China every single year. They proudly tout the number of people that play basketball in China, 300 million, that watch basketball in China, something like 500 million. This puts all that in danger. As people that follow China on a more closer, more serious basis know, they take this stuff seriously when it comes to, to Hong Kong. So, There's really no clear idea just how far China will take this and the ramifications it could have on the NBA fiscally. You know, you mentioned Silver, you know, is supporting uh, freedom of expression, players, executives, et cetera, which is the statement he put out last night. Of course, the NBA originally called the tweet regrettable. Maury pulled it down, hasn't explained why. NBA's original response was misunderstood, I think is the word he used. From your perspective, was it misunderstood or did Silver backtrack last night? I just think the original statement was a little too soft. 
And, you know, I expressed that to people within the NBA after I wrote my original story. They believed that they had expressed strong support for Daryl Morey. I disagreed. I mean, the first sentence used the word regrettable in that. And right. It made me think. I mean, play, you know, players and coaches, as for anybody that's followed the NBA, they have been very outspoken on social and political issues in the United States. Greg Popovich, the coach of the Spurs, Steve Kerr with the Warriors, LeBron James, they have all been very at very pointed criticisms of Donald Trump. And I have no issue with that. I mean, of course, it's, it's a person's right to say whatever they want. And I firmly believe that when you have a platform, it's great to exercise it. But the NBA doesn't go around apologizing to conservatives or Trump supporters for what these players said. I don't know why they would feel the need to call the tweet regrettable and effectively apologize to the Chinese fans that were offended by it. I think that's first. The answer is money, though, right? You have fed you know, half the U.S. population. The games are still going to be carried on TV. They're still going to be streamed on the Internet here. You piss off China. They could get just blacked out completely. Correct. And, and look, I mean, we can certainly have, <laughs> have a, a, a deeper debate about what all this means and how it all works. But you're 100% right. It is about money. This is the first time that, you know, people speaking up, someone speaking up, could potentially hurt the NBA's bottom line. Obviously, James Harden, the star player for the Rockets, came out with a, got it, it read like a PR team worked on it, but a statement saying, we apologize, we love China. But, you, you know, you talked about LeBron James, et cetera. The NBA, more than any other league, is a players-run league. They've got an enormous amount of power. Do you expect to see other players speak up about this specifically and test the NBA's resolve to freedom of expression? I don't. And I would disagree that the Harden statement sounded like PR. I thought it was the opposite. I mean, sorry, China, like that doesn't read to me like something any PR person wrote. And if they did, they should probably look at other lines of work. The PR line would be, you know, look, it's a serious issue. I don't really want to get involved. I just hope things are resolved peacefully. That's something that I think would make sense on a PR wise. But players aren't going to get involved, I don't think, not because of the NBA, but because of the speaker contracts. We all know how much money players individually make from the Chinese market. Every summer, the top name players take trips, you know, sponsored by their sneaker company over to China to do events and, you know, hold practices and things like that, all with the goal in mind to sell sneakers. So I think it's more about self-preservation and players own bottom line than any kind of pickle it could put the NBA in. If push came to shove, is the NBA willing to lose China? You know, it, it's a great question. And I don't know. I also don't know if they have any choice. They have created this sort of atmosphere where they have said repeatedly they're okay with you know players and coaches and executives saying their piece and taking stance on political and social issues what Daryl Morey did was take a stance on a political issue that you know quite frankly is U.S. policy. I mean, let's let's be real. Daryl's not taking a very controversial position. Well, it's sort of U.S. policy. It's not something we've heard from the White House. Correct. I mean, but in the past, it's been correct. In US the past, policy. yes. I spent some time. You know, I spent some time talking to Ben Rhodes about this this week. Yeah, in, the, in the past, it has been U.S. policy to hold China to that agreement they made with Hong Kong. Anyway, I just don't think the NBA has any recourse here. I think they have to live with the results of this because this is the bed they've made. This is what they've allowed players to do, and I don't know how you backtrack from that. Chris Mannix, Senior Writer for Sports Illustrated. Thanks so much for joining us. You got it. Anytime. My final two, right after this. Earlier, we highlighted Silicon Valley Bank's experience with helping startups. But with Silicon Valley Bank, you're also getting a partner committed to supporting you as you strive to hit your next milestones. Perhaps that's why 50% of VC-backed tech and life science companies choose Silicon Valley Bank. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. 
Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas bank here. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the ongoing mess at WeWork, which any day now is expected to announce thousands of layoffs in the aftermath of its failed IPO. The Wall Street Journal reports that not only were prospective investors upset by big losses and lax corporate governance, but also by what they viewed as faulty numbers in the company's original prospectus. For example, WeWork first said that it had delivered 273,000 new workstations in the first half of 2019. But then in a later filing, it slashed the number to just 106,000. And the total gross cost fell from $1.3 billion to $800 million. Again, that's past numbers. So why the changes? Basically, the first ones were wrong, creating a patina of fiscal sloppiness that investors could not overcome, even if they believed in WeWork's future growth prospects. And finally, more than 30 civil rights and privacy groups are calling on U.S. cities to end their partnerships with Ring, the video doorbell maker now owned by Amazon. Ring has deals with more than 400 government agencies, giving police access to a map of doorbell cameras from which they can request footage. For example, imagine there's an assault on the sidewalk. The cops can then ask for video from Ring doorbells on that street. The concerns, of course, here are varied, everything from a lack of transparency to anger over taxpayer-funded subsidies. But the big picture is that this is really about the growing conflict between technology and privacy and how to balance them without ending up in a surveillance state. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great National Pierogi Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.